Here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to travel back with me to the first century. And I want you to go with me to the hill of Golgotha. And there on Golgotha's hill, I want you to, by an eye of faith this morning, see a death that's beyond human comprehension. I want you to see a pain that is so intense that it would make us shudder. I want you to see blood as it runs down the brow of Jesus. I want you to see blood as it covers His hands and it covers His feet. And I want you to see Jesus. I want you to see Him beaten. I want you to see Him spit on. And I want you to see Him dying. Mary watched all that. She had been chosen by God to give birth to the Messiah. She had watched Him grow. She had nursed Him as an infant and she had cared for Him. She remembers Him telling her at the age of twelve that He must be about the Father's business. And now she's watching at the foot of the cross as He is doing the Father's business. And what she saw that day as she saw the man on the cross that she had nursed as an infant and raised as a child, no mother should ever have to witness what Mary watched that day. But she was there. And she saw it. And I want you to see this morning the other women who watched Him there. The Bible doesn't tell us who they all were. But I feel confident that the woman that Jesus healed of her infirmity of 18 years, I feel certain she was there at the cross that day. I would expect to see the woman there whose son Jesus had raised from the dead. And probably the woman was there whose daughter Jesus had cast demons from. We're not told who they all were exactly. But they had not forgotten Jesus Christ. Because Jesus was the one who had changed their lives. The priests were there. The elders were there. They watched Him. The two thieves on either side, they watched Him that day. But I also want you to see another group that day. I want you to see a group of soldiers as they are gathered around those three crosses on Golgotha. As they're watching and they're waiting. Perhaps they were the same soldiers that had gone to the garden the night before. They may have been the same soldiers that bound him and led him off to Pilate and to Herod. It's possible they were the same ones that had whipped him and beaten him without mercy. Beat him with their fists and spit on him. Some of them are probably going to be guarding the tomb where he's going to be laid. 
Because you see, the soldiers have they've finished the real work of the day. They've already nailed each of their respective victims to their crosses. The crosses are all there in a row. They've been placed upright in the ground. And so the soldiers don't have anything else left to do except wait for the men to die. I want you to use that eye of faith. I want you to see, I want you to look closely at the clothes those soldiers are wearing. Because those clothes are flecked with blood spatter. Blood spatter from driving nails into the flesh of the hands. Blood spatter of driving a spike through the feet of living flesh. And now those soldiers gathered around those three crosses on Golgotha wearing their uniforms flecked with blood spatter are trying to pass away the tedious hours as best they can. You see, death by crucifixion was a very slow process. And when you don't have anything to do except sit and watch and wait for men to die, boredom comes quickly. Some of them have amused themselves for a time. They gambled for the seamless robe that belonged to one of the men. But that having been done, there's nothing they can do now but just wait. Matthew tells us in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 36, sitting down, they watched him there. But while they're sitting there watching and waiting, they're startled by a wild cry that comes from the cross in the center. The man hanging on that central cross cries out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. And every one of those soldiers sitting there heard that cry of agony. And they were all alike in the fact that they did not fully understand just what was being said because Latin was their native tongue and Jesus was not speaking in Latin. Jesus was using what to these soldiers was a foreign tongue. And to them, He seemed to be calling on a man named Elijah. And while they did not fully understand it, every one of those soldiers knew that that cry, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, it was a cry of suffering. It was a pathetic hand reaching out into the encircling gloom for help. They heard that cry. And they had a partial understanding of its meaning. But they did not all make the same response. That tragic cry of Jesus from the cross that day, it divided those soldiers there into two very distinct groups. There was one who sought to help Jesus in His suffering. 
while the others did nothing. There was an unknown hero that day who became part of the remedy. The others chose to remain part of the disease. We're dealing with a historic fact. It's the story of an event that took place at a certain day on a certain hill. And the cry of Jesus from the central cross that day was a cry uttered just as no one else has ever uttered it. And so there are unique situations in this scene. But there are things also in this scene that are eternal and abiding. As Jesus hangs there and He cries out on that cross, the cry of Jesus that day, folks, that is a cry of bitter, bitter pain. It's a cry of anguish that is as old as human suffering and as new as the tragedies on the news networks today. Whatever the cause, humanity is constantly being nailed to some kind of cross. Look where you will at any age in time, at any moment in time, and you're going to see pathetic hands stretching out for help. Listen any day in human history, and you're going to hear the anguished cry of suffering men and suffering women. Watch the news broadcasts in the morning. And you will hear this wail of agony. This cry of suffering belongs to every day. And this cry of suffering makes itself heard by everyone. Now some folks hear it with more sensitive ears than others. Some folks are more deeply stirred by it than others. But though we might cover our ears, we might stop our ears, we might wear earplugs, we cannot be completely deaf to the cry of suffering. Because over and over, it breaks our complacency. It breaks our love of ease. It breaks down our indifference. And it disturbs us. And disturbed, we make the same varied responses that those soldiers on that hill did so long ago. We hear the cry of suffering and we hear the cry of need whether we want to hear it or not. Hearing it is not optional. What we do about the cry of suffering and lost humanity is optional. There are two things in that scene from the cross that day that endure. There is the cry of anguished need. And there are those who are compelled to hear that cry 
and make some kind of response. So it was on Calvary, and so it is today. Well, look at those two groups. Some of those soldiers said, well, let's just see if Elias will come and save him, they said. Let's just wait and see. Now, doesn't that really sound like a harmless attitude? Those soldiers did not scold Jesus for his outcry. When Jesus cried from that cross, and He said, Eli, Eli, lava sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, this man calleth for Elias. But they didn't scold him. They didn't look up and say, just shut up. They didn't beat him for his outcry. They didn't add to his pain with any more personal violence. And they didn't say, not a chance. Never under any circumstances are we going to offer to help. They just said, simply, we're not going to do anything. Why? Why did they make that choice? Well, you might say one of them would say, well, my name's not Elijah. He didn't call for me. Since he didn't call for me, it's none of my business. Here's a revelation for us, folks. When we come face to face with something that needs to be done, when we come face to face with something that we can do to help, that's a call for us. It's as real And it's as genuine. If God had taken His finger and written our name in letters of fire in the sky. But humanity goes from generation to generation. Offering the same lame excuse that the soldiers did. Well, my name's not Elijah. It's none of my business. Or another one says, well, I saw there was a need. But it wasn't any of my business. Now now think about how that could apply to our lives. Yeah. I saw your house was on fire and I knew your child was asleep in the house and you weren't at home. But what could I do? I'm not a firefighter. Yeah, I drove down the highway. I saw the bridge was out, but... I couldn't warn anybody. I'm not part of the highway department. It's not my job. Well, yeah, I knew the guys were hungry. But no, I didn't feed them. I'm not the United Way or the Salvation Army. Well, yeah, I know my neighbor's lost, and I know my neighbor's in need of the gospel. But what do you expect me to do about it? I'm not the preacher. Well, I saw the man had been robbed, and I saw he was slowly bleeding to death. But I'm not a doctor. Write this down. When we see a need, when we see a need that we as individuals 
can help me in any way. Right then and there, God is calling my name. Someone else says, well, I heard the cry from the cross and I knew the man was desperate. But I felt like there was somebody else that would take care of things. I just couldn't believe nobody was going to do anything. So I just sat and waited and hoped that Elijah or somebody would come and take the matter seriously. Well, I thought if I waited long enough, somebody else would do it and I wouldn't have to be bothered. Folks, we need to look to God and say, Lord, how much can I do for you? And not say, Lord, how little can I get by with? There's another reason the soldiers might have given. A reason probably more compelling than any of the others. You heard the cry. Why didn't you help? Well, I wanted to, but the situation just seemed hopeless. There was so little I could do. You see, Rome had arrested this man. Rome had sentenced him to death. And by the time he made that cry, the agonies of the cross had pretty much done their work. There was so little life left in him, he seemed little better than dead. What what could I do? I couldn't take him away from Rome. I couldn't restore his health. I couldn't give him back to his friends. Since I couldn't do everything, I didn't do anything. That same dismal consideration is prevalent in our world today. That's an attitude that threatens to lay its paralyzing hands on every one of us. Why are we here this morning? We're here to worship the God of heaven. And what we need to realize is that after 2,000 years of Christian teaching and Christian preaching, the vast majority of our world still really does not know Jesus. You have those in this country. Those serving in elected offices in this country. Trying to make sure that people never know Jesus. In the face of all this, what can I do What can you do? What can you and I do in the face of this? We can tell our neighbors. We can tell our friends. We can tell our family members about Jesus. We can try to wake the world up to the fact that Jesus is a reality. And Jesus changes lives. Maybe those soldiers didn't do anything because they just felt hopeless. And maybe they didn't do anything because they just felt overwhelmed. We cannot change the world all at one time. It can't happen. 
But we can change the world one heart at a time. One of those soldiers had a more hopeful reading of things. He ran and he got a sponge. And he dipped that sponge into his daily portion of sour wine. And he put it on a reed. And he gave it to Jesus to drink. He really did not know what this dying man on that central cross was asking for. What he did know was that one of the tortures of crucifixion was a burning, insatiable thirst. And so what he did was he chose to share with Jesus as he died on that cross a bit of his daily portion of wine. You know, it's easy to think of the soldiers around the cross and think of them harshly and judge them harshly. They were doing what Rome had told them to do. They were following their orders. But when I think about this one soldier, he heard the cry of my Lord as he said, My God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? He heard Jesus cry. And he chose to share with Jesus a portion of his wine. When I think about that man, my heart grows warm toward him. He seems like a man that would be worth knowing. There was something that needed to be done. And without waiting to see what others would do, he took it on himself and he did it. He belongs to a select company of people that perform deeds that nobody has the right to ask them to do. But they do them. It is thus when we get under burdens voluntarily. When we get under burdens for the sake of love, we come to live in the Spirit of the cross. This man lived in the idea of the words of the poet. I'm only one. But still I am one. And because I cannot do everything, I will not fail to do what I'm able to do. Well, what was the outcome of these different responses that day? Look at those that said, well, <laughs> let's see if Elijah is going to come and save him. What did they miss? They missed the privilege of helping. They might have been of service to Jesus in His hour of extremity. And while they sat and watched and waited and did nothing, Jesus died. Something like that's always taking place when we refuse to help. Remember when Jesus said, Whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. 
It was right after that He said that those of us who follow Him have to take up our cross daily. And then there was that unknown soldier. The Scriptures do not tell us his name, his rank, or anything about him except that he shared his daily portion of wine with Jesus. But having shared that with my Lord, I'm confident that that man came to feel the thrill of real life. He couldn't bring Jesus down from the cross. That was not in his power. He could not save Jesus' life. He hadn't the ability to do that. But in some small way, he could offer what little comfort to Jesus in his dying hour that he was able to provide. Like Mary, when she had anointed Jesus, she had done what she could. Now here's the question that all of us have to answer for ourselves. What is my relationship to Jesus right now? Is Jesus the Lord of my life? Or am I just watching Him there? Don't leave this building this morning as a spectator at the cross. If there are changes that need to be made, For Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Master of all of your life. This is the opportunity for you to come and do that as we stand and while we sing.